You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, and I'm joined by a very special guest. Very, very special guest. You like him through a lot of varies. I'm going to hype you up here, Cam. So it's Cam Meller. He is college football analyst, uh, NFL draft senior director at Pro Football Network. He is someone who I've long admired his work on Twitter. He does a really good job covering college football through the prism of you know, NFL draft upside. He does a ton of work, puts up a lot of clips on, on Twitter. So uh, this has been a long overdue a merging of our two worlds combining to talk a little bit of, of FSU and whatnot. So Cam, welcome to On the Bench. I appreciate it. It's a like we just talked about. It was a little bit. Uh, it's long overdue. It's great to officially meet you via virtual the virtual world we live in. But yeah, no. Uh, anytime I get to talk football, anytime I get to talk Winston Wright, which I'm going to not bury the lead here too much, but also anytime I get to talk my alma mater, I'm uh, I'm more than happy to let the fanhood show a little bit. So let's let's start there. Let's and for right now, um, yeah, some of this will will probably be on video. But for the, most of you who are listening to this, uh, Cam, if you want to show people a little bit of your background there and explain your an actual explain, it'll be a literal showing of a background and an explaining a background FSU related. Yeah, let's see. It starts over there. My older brother he went to Florida State, o two to o six. I was there o six to twenty ten. But the cream to the creme, the 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 straw that stirs the drink. Every press pass, every game. Sideline pass, photo pass from 06 to 2010, the the glory years, uh, as we can <laughs> nicely put it, I guess. Uh, yes. yeah, every press pass, every game went to uh, travel with them for most of the away games. I think I only missed a couple of them in, a, in five years of football games. I actually only went to one as a fan. Every single other game was spent covering it either on the sidelines or in the press box. So it was a, a very unique college football experience. Uh, it was pretty cool to live and breathe FSU athletics. Um, I truly enjoyed the food at the women's basketball games, though, the best. But obviously, the, it was it was fun covering FSU football as a college football or a freshman uh, back in 06, all the way through. Let's do a power ranking, top three press box food uh, spreads for Florida State, and then just your top three spreads anywhere covering football all time. Uh, so I'm going to say FSU baseball to me is my favorite because you get the Gordos, you get Hungry Howie's, which, you know, it's it's pizza. Uh, and then they usually do one other thing to kind of mix it up locally. But but Gordo's on a Friday night watching baseball, hard to beat. So that would that would up the game. I, when I was covering baseball, it was just the firehouse box lunches. Uh, <laughs> we didn't get much more than that. So if that was the case back in the day, one of my professors actually was the guy who painted the mural on the Gordo's back wall. Oh, back cool. Long, long, low these many years ago. Um, one of my humanities teacher, God, freshman year, if I remembered his name, that would be a crazy thing. But yeah, that was uh, my humanities 101 or whatever it was called. Was, he paid, painted the mural on the back wall there. So uh, women's basketball, what, I mean, not that they needed help getting you to cover it under Coach Sue, but it was at that fledgling state where like they were like the 16th ranked team all the time, but always would lose the big game. So they had to do things to get you coming into the game and covering it. I mean, there was one game that they had lobster. What? Lobster. What? I mean, it just it took the cake for me. Women's basketball was number one. Honestly, the women's soccer team needed to do very little to get us to cover it, but they had some good spreads. Chick-fil-A was brought in at one point, the party tray, uh, mm-hmm. and then it was football. So just because the ice cream at halftime. Yes. Yeah, so 
So to update our listeners, so the Hagen dazs ice cream bars have been a long-standing tradition at Florida State. It's one thing that the pandemic has wiped away, uh, very low on the totem pole of all <laughs> of what the pandemic has obviously done uh, to our, our world the last couple of years. But yeah, the, not safe to have the Hagen dazs bars spread out and everyone's going with their hands grabbing it. But the upside is they now do Chick-fil-A for every home game instead of doing a buffet. So I'm completely fine with Chick-fil-A and knowing what that's going to be, whether it's chicken biscuits for a, a noon game or a, or a nice chicken sandwich uh, in the evening. I did love when they would move to breakfast for the for the noon games. That was the one thing about the the, the late, latter years of the Bobby Bowden era and the early Jimbo Fisher years was a lot of noon games. A lot of noon games. Noon games. Yep. And so we had breakfast. Like as a college kid, I was waking up at 11, walking over and – covering the game and I would get my full plate of breakfast. I'd be good to go for the day, get a full belly. And then, you know, that next thing led to another and I was uh, back at the office on Sunday morning. So all because right, of you, the breakfast. you totally weren't at, you know, uh, Bullwinkles or anything like that. I'm sure on Saturday. Yeah, good no, boy. No, like no, you. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, behaving. I'm going to show it now because my thirsty moose card from Bullwinkles sits on my desk at all times. I don't know if they do the thirsty <laughs> moose, Bill. Oh my God. Thirsty. Hang on. I'm taking a screenshot of this telling you what i did not save this i did not have this on my desk for for this i'm telling you when i when i tell you i bleed garnet and gold and i can't show it publicly because i cover all 130 teams Mm -hmm. it's because i can't show it so to be able to show it it's pretty awesome yeah bullwinkle is one of like i think there was 130 thirsty moose club members that last year that was there anytime they put tebow crying on anything i was buying it (laughs) uh bowls is like the that's the best deal in town uh by far to spend what was it like 10 five bucks on the on the it's been a while since i've been um and even when i moved to tallahassee i was like 24 so i felt like i was a little too old to be going but like i like to at least go like once or twice to experience experience yeah yeah monday liquor pitchers free liquor pitchers from 10 to 12 when i tell that to people that are not from the south or not from that region of of college they're like excuse me liquor pitchers liquor pitchers like yeah, what you didn't have this? <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? Uh, it's so great when football is good in Tallahassee because all that gets elevated and people are out and being a little crazy and it just adds this extra fun element to to the program. So, all right, let's. Uh, I was going into a whole. I was going to derail us even more than we already have been, Cam, about how like Chris Nee stole my chicken sandwich, basically ratted me out a couple uh, months ago during during press. But I won't get into it. It's water under the bridge. Chris and I have hashed it out. Um, Snitches get stitches. Chris, if you're listening to this, you're dead to me. All right, so let's talk about why you're on the podcast. Uh, it, it was the I've been wanting to do this for the while, uh, for a while, but like really, I was like, okay, he's tweeting this out. He's it's like he's he's a siren beckoning for me to to get him on the podcast. And as you were expressing your man crush on Winston, right? This fan base is extremely eager to see what he can do. I, I think of the four wide receiver transfers FSU has brought in. Cam, I'm really excited to see what what he can do in this offense with Mike Norvell. So. Uh, please explain your background with Winston Wright, how he popped onto your radar and, and why you're eager to see him at FSU as well. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start with saying I do advocate for student athletes as well. That's one of that's my passion. I don't get paid for this. I don't ever want to get paid for it, but I love speaking on behalf or for or helping amplify their voices. I started doing it for Winston just because I fell in love with his game. So then now he and I have struck up this relationship and and we are, I'd say, you know, friends in this in this uh, battle to get him to the league but also to help him win games he just wants to win games and so to me what me made me sort of want to help him and I was just going to do it regardless because I thought he was an amazing player it's his versatility I mean he is a 2010 in the NFL he is just a glorified slot receiver 
nowadays that's incredibly important in the NFL. And so to me, showcasing that he's got versatility, he can line up anywhere. But what that struck out to me early on in his career, he was struggling with quarterback play, obviously at West Virginia for a little bit. And him and when when him and Jerry Daigie did get going, it was pretty special. Um, he's not just that slot guy though. There's contested catchability. There's vision. There's a full route tree from the slot, which is now a, a, a feat in and of itself. It's one thing if you can run a nine route on the outside like Traylon Burks. It's another thing if you can run all these routes from either side of the field, either side of your quarterback, and then also out of the backfield. He's got out of the backfield routes. And so seeing him in motion, catching either a, a pass, you know, a pop pass or whatever you call him uh, across the middle of the backfield. But he runs full halfback routes from of old, down and out. And uh, you, you combine that with his ability with the ball in his hands on kick returns. I mean, he's a dynamic athlete who gets pigeonholed because of his size, but really is and plays so much bigger than what he is. I think that's what I'm excited the most to see is so I was going over some like his PFF numbers when he first committed here and like they had him in the slot according to PFF like at 99% of the snaps is where West Virginia had him. Mike Norvell's offense when he's running it the way he wants to and has the pieces in, in plays uh, if remember familiar with like Anthony uh, Anthony Miller like he was moved all over the place so he would outside receiver slot receiver backfield. Is that kind of where you envision uh, Winston's game going at Florida State with Mike Norvell? If they can, you know, get the quarterback to get him the ball and offensive line to protect the quarterback, all the other good stuff. Yeah, this is like it's sort of a nor- that's the Anthony Miller role is sort of uh, it's almost too easy to draw that comparison because it works so perfectly. So to me, like finding if, if you look at the different body types of the players that he's got in the transfer portal that alone that we'll talk about today, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. if you look at it, there's one that really that that pings to me. And it's obviously why everybody's so excited. It's him. It's Winston, right? Because of that versatility. Again, it's hard to run all nine routes, all 10 routes, and not to mention all the breaks and bevies of of alterations and edits you can do on your routes. But it's another thing to also run them from the halfback position or the running back position like he can do. And so mm-hmm. to me, to getting getting him the ball, his average depth of target will probably be like two. But that's good because I want him, you want the ball in his hands in space. Because if if he's got a linebacker, one-on-one, a defensive lineman, or anybody, even safeties in corners, I mean, this guy can shake anybody loose. And also, he knows how to finish. Not at the catch, not only at the catch point, but also at the end zone line too. So diving to the pylon, getting pat, getting those extra few yards for a first down. His IQ up there for football IQ is up there as well. We had some people on the message board when he first committed, saying some of his numbers, which are solid. I think 500 receiving yards two years ago, 600 this past year. Which, uh, for FSU standards, they haven't had a wide receiver past 400 receiving yards in the last two years. So that's gravy. But people were trying to say, oh, the West Virginia offense is air raid, and and he gets this overinflated numbers because of the amount of targets. Uh, you were familiar with watching the games. I, I didn't get that from the two or three games I watched scouting him. That wasn't like this force fed get him the ball if anything i I think cam like he probably could have stood to get the ball forced him more often right they should have got given him the ball more bryce ford wheaton actually is a terrific receiver that i he on he was also going to leave and and you know enter the transfer portal himself and he would have been a big catch as well he's terrific i think they forced fed him the ball Mm -hmm. in double coverage because he was their outside threat so to me no it was manufactured targets for him maybe because mm-hmm. he's so talented and so gifted with the football. But no, they're a heavy outside zone team. They love handing the ball off and letting those huge maulers in the middle do their dirty work for him. So uh, to me, whatever's opened up in the passing game, if it is an air raid type offense, it's because they actually have a very solid underrated running game as well. So let's pivot to the wide receiver hall in general. FSU has had, <clears throat> excuse me, with with four, uh, four incoming targets so far. Uh, that is off the top of my head, Winston Wright. 
Micah Pittman from Oregon, Johnny Wilson from Arizona State, and Deuce Span from Illinois. Uh, a few minutes ago, Cam, you said uh, different body types. So maybe let's start there. It seems like the contrasting uh, contrasting elements of the human body for sure have been brought in at wide receiver. Yeah, it's if you need to look and see, uh, just watch Johnny Wilson highlights. He plays as big as he actually is. Uh, and so to me, that's a guy that – if you're going to pigeonhole Winston right to the slot at the next level, Johnny Wilson's a red zone target, add some weight to him, honestly, and then use him as a tight end in the red zone alone. But honestly, just, just put him out there. He's going to out jump and out be bigger than anybody, obviously, but also I love it was flashes and Arizona state's not necessarily the greatest passing team of the past few years. I don't know why Jaden Daniels is still there. I st- I, side note, I'll never forget that 2018 Tony, the tiger sun bowl when, Oh, wow. Yeah. James Blackman made Jane Daniels look thick, actually. It was a battle of the two slightest quarterbacks ever. And James threw a bunch of interceptions. Uh, people yeah. were ready to – here's history. Uh, people on our message board were ready to run Kendall Bryles out of town because at that point, I don't think Norvell had been hired yet. Willie had been fired, obviously. But there was like some, like, was Kendall Bryles going to come back? Was he not, if I remember correctly? Uh, like, whoever the coach was, would they hire KB? And if it was going to be Norvell, like he was going to run his offense. So obviously it wasn't going to be someone who ran a different type of offense in that role. And the fan base was to get out of town. Like this offense production is awful. They had James Blackman throwing interceptions. Like when he was missing guys, five yards downfield, they had two scholar or excuse me, two walk on running backs at the time. Like Cam Akers had declared for the draft. Someone else was hurt. So uh, it was Treshawn Ward, who I love, but he was a freshman coming off of an injury and not on scholarship yet in Deontay Sheffield. And they couldn't move the ball consistently. And the fan base was like, what's KB doing? I'm like, yeah, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck. Uh, bowl games here, almost like every bowl game now has to have an asterisk or a caveat written by it. So mm-hmm. not just for opt-outs, so many other reasons. But yeah, back to on track here. Johnny Wilson, obviously not featured em- enough, not featured much. But if you listen to what they had to say about him down there and what they had to say about their entire offense, it was, it was honestly, he was the next guy up. If there was Brandon Ayuk and then Darby, and then there was Johnny Wilson, and just never really materialized. And I think it's mainly because they struggled to get the ball, and they struggled to actually have a downfield passing attack with Jane Daniels. So to see what he's able to do, honestly, at the NFL level, I think he's probably got a, a future as like a, you know, the what's the new rave right now is old big, huge quarterback strengths moving to tight end. I think there's big, huge college receivers that can then move to tight end. You think about it, if he's 6'7", 220, 225 right now, what he can put on in the, for the NFL level, Obviously, he's got to show a little bit more at FSU and in Tallahassee. So I like it. Throw him outside, throw him in the red zone right now until you figure out what you got in him mm-hmm. uh, in practice and at the spring game. But yeah, body type, complete difference. Of what? There's almost a foot difference between Wilson and, and Winston. So that'll be a fun one to see them standing next to each other at practice. Yeah. And then even Micah Pittman, who's buddies with Johnny Wilson, they played on the same high school team in Calabasas. Uh, maybe they were on a hanging out with a Kardashian episode or something too. Uh, But so they're out in California and uh, I think Micah Pittman plays a pretty big role in getting Johnny Wilson here, at least somewhat of a role. Uh, And again, two extremes of the human body and two extreme skill sets as well. Uh, What are your thoughts on, on Pittman? And is he, so for context here, Cam, when, so FSU already had Micah Pittman enrolled on campus along with the the two other receivers and Winston Wright was kind of a late addition and happened very quickly he entered the portal I think he checked out Kentucky South Carolina uh, you may have a better idea that of that than I do honestly but it happened pretty quickly and uh, people were wondering like hey why 
another slot type receiver who can maybe do other things, you know, gadget type of guy like Pittman. You know, so I guess, do you see them having similar skill sets or do they think, do things differently in your estimation? I, I think Micah Pittman has better ball tracking skills. And I think okay. he actually has the verse, the he's more versatile outside. So I think you could honestly line up Pittman outside more so than you line up Winston in the slot or outside, I guess. But mm-hmm. it, Pittman, I think his highlight real play is from Tyler Shuck when everybody thought that that was the future at Oregon. There was that beautiful throw from Shuck down the field. And Pittman, what does he do? It's it's the most underratedly difficult catch in all of football when you're tracking a full dead sprint and you're having to look back while also keeping your defender off him. Pittman made that look so easy. And talking to – I talked to a bunch of – well, they're all now in the NFL, so that feels kind of neat actually to say that. But I talked to a lot of the Oregon corners and safeties. So Javon Holland – Delmano Lenore, Mikel Wright, uh, Nick Pickett, and all these guys, what do they say about Micah Pittman is that he's the hardest guy to cover in practice. Mm-hmm. So ha- having Delmano Lenore said the exact same thing, he said, I can't keep up with him. So now to have those guys that are in the NFL saying they can't keep up and can't guard Micah Pittman in practice, imagine what he can do in a game and at game speed. So to me, Pittman, I think, has the largest upside if he can showcase what makes him so special in practice for the NFL level. Because I think that a little bit bigger – than Winston Wright, and so you're going to have the ability to sort of use him like a T.Y. Hilton almost in the NFL. So I like Pittman's upside. I like where he's going, but I also I love to hear the practice reports from the players themselves who it's it's not for anything else. It wasn't for hype. It was for, hey, I can't keep up with this dude. We had gotten word. It's funny you mentioned that. We'd gotten word that he was a quote-unquote practice all-star, and it wasn't using the negative connotation where that sometimes can be. It's just like he did really crazy special things in practice. You sometimes saw it in games, but for whatever reason, like he'd only be on the field for like 20 snaps a game. Like the usage there was, it's one thing to not get the ball a ton. It's another, cause he could actually block and prevent, present some mismatches. And, and I really strange. Yeah, they, have, they have Devon Williams too, who I, everybody thought could have slipped into at least day two, if not the first round right now of the 2020 NFL draft. And he was not utilized at all this year. Now, obviously we all know Anthony Brown's not uh, known for his passing of the mm-hmm. football. But still, you got to at least feature these dudes that are supposedly all stars in practice. So, we can use this podcast as a platform to just crap on Mario Cristobal's usage, and you know, even Justin Herbert like was is better in the NFL than he was in college. It's crazy. It's some interesting Herbert's, stuff. Herbert's freshman year is groundbreaking, and then all of a sudden, what happens? Cristobal keeps him in neutral. I don't know. Super interesting study to watch what happens there. So, good luck, Tyler Van Dyke. Willie Taggart, better offensive mind than Mario Cristobal. I'm just throwing it out there now. Oof. Woo. All right, back on track. But I love it. Back on track. Back on track. Uh, final guy was Deuce Span. Are you? Uh, he doesn't have a ton of at bats. Uh, I think only five catches, six catches this past season. Converted quarterback to wide receiver. Are you familiar much with his game at this point, Cam? Yeah, it's what we you know what you hear, I guess, because you can only go off of what you've seen. Obviously, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I think we, focusing on one position, obviously. So you have a liken this situation to a guy like Tariq Woolen from UTSA this past year where he transferred, he moved from wide receiver to corner and completely bought in, completely sold out to be a cornerback. And now look at two years later after transfer or transferring, I keep using that word, changing to the side, the other side of the ball, moving, converting from corner to or wide receiver to corner. And he's at the senior bowl. He's going to be a, a round three pick most likely. If, if Deuce can do that, then obviously what you hear about him will be true is that he could be a great receiver. He's got the body type to be a new age sort of today's NFL receiver with that body. And so 
to me, I, we need to see it before I can do too much analysis on him on what he does well. But buying into the position is going to be huge for him and also getting specific positional guidance from the coaching staff. Uh, switching to a, a little bit more of the um, something more FS. Well, OK, I'll just I'll just say what I was going to say. I don't need to transition it. If I'm not mistaken, there is a mock draft that you did with a certain FSU player in the first round. Is that correct? Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson? Yes. Everyone Absolutely. here loves Jermaine Johnson. Uh, how can you not? So to me, they're, this is the deepest edge class we've had in the NFL draft, maybe in history. Uh, I mean, obviously the position's changed and it's no longer just a defensive end because you all run you know, the box. This is now, there's so many different, defenders and if Micah Parsons influence on the Cowboys and his rookie year showcases anything get an edge defender it might be more valuable than coverage at this point so mm-hmm. we'll see I'm, I'm still on the fence that coverage is more valuable than pass rush but at this point when you have these generational talents like Kayvon Thibodeau Hutchinson I think David Ajabo is the best of the group Ooh, okay uh, we'll see he's still scratching the surface but he got knocked for being not as good as Hutchinson which I they were meeting at the quarterback more often than they were not so to me, Ojabo has the best spin move since Bosa. Either one of them, pick your poison. Wow. Um, also, he's from Scotland, and so he's just scratching the surface. So Ojabo, watch out for Ojabo. But after those three, and then if you wrap in George Karloftis, there's going to be a race for those. It's like picks 25 to 32. It's all these teams that don't need a quarterback. They don't need receivers. They don't need a lot of help, so they can draft by best player available. And typically when you're looking at who's available from 25 to 32, it's all these edge defenders because they're so good. So you have Kingsley and Inigbari from South Carolina. You're going to have Drake Jackson from USC, but then Jermaine Johnson, who has the best motor out of all those dudes, obviously. What and so durable. I feel like with the one time he was injured this past year, like what it was a few snaps he was out and then he was begging to come back in. Which, Every which was, time you watch him, if you watch him on tape and you watch the all 22, you're realizing like this guy is far left side. It's a rollout to the right. And somehow he's still sacking the quarterback. So to me, the durability, the high motor, and then his skills, his pass rushing skills just alone. There's a reason he was at Georgia. There's a reason Kirby Smart wanted him. And there's a reason he's ACC Defense Player of the Year. And a reason, honestly, in my opinion, he's a solid first-round talent. It's crazy because, like, when he first got here, he, he was getting dinged up a lot in practice. It, like, spent a lot of time on the training table in the spring. I was like, uh-oh, that's not great. And it was the polar opposite in the season. Like, he was waving people off. He was playing <laughs> 60, 70 snaps a game. And then still making plays late and somehow, like, finding reserves. Like, it's super impressive. I, I, yeah, he endeared himself to this fan base in such a short period of time. I don't think we'll – we haven't seen anything like that before at Florida State. I'm not sure we could see like a one-year type of thing. And maybe with the transfer portal, it'll change. But uh, what he did was special this year. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and it sort of set the bar high for transfer portal athletes that think or could be first-round players that are not getting utilized. And so obviously a lot of them are told, hey, you're, you're a first-round talent. In his case, that was true. And then he finally was able to show it. Obviously, it's it's for good reason on that Georgia defense why he wasn't able to show it as much as he could have. But mm-hmm. to me, it's it this sets the bar high, but it also sets maybe some unrealistic expectations for some of these transfer portal athletes. Like, hey, let's go to FSU. I'll be a first rounder. So hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully, hey, we get as many as we can. Um, I love the transfer portal. The side note and sidebar. Thanks for the for the platform here because yeah. it allows these kids to find a better situation. You know, they might've been promised something when they were 18 years old in their mom's living room and it didn't come to fruition. So I love the transfer portal and it helps the student athletes uh, say what you will about it, I guess, but I, I love it. I think it's helping the sport. 
I'm with you. It's been a lot of fun to cover. It adds this level of like free agency to college football, which for coverage perspective, like you have this whole other off season uh, talking point that adds a lot of fun to it. And yeah, some fans lament it because it is changing the sport quickly. And there maybe have to be more regulation to it, but ultimately like this is good for programs. It's good for players. Uh, You just have to kind of structure it in a way and make sure that it's not someone flipping four times in four years or wherever, or we were like incentivized to fire coaches earlier. There's some working around it, but I love it. It's fun. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely some work around it, but it's, it's flashback to when you were 18, 19 years old and one decision you made that was wrong. Yeah. And the dawn of the day is you have to sit through four years of wasting your athletic ability basically. Cause you can't transfer. Yeah. So I, I think it helps everybody in the long run. And ultimately if someone wants to transfer three times in their career, four times in their career and understand like that's going to hinder your development. That's a, you're an adult at that point. You're making choices for yourself. The, the, the Nick Starkle route. Yep. Yep. Nick Starkle. He, he uh, kind of salvaged things a little bit. Uh, who's the dude that just retired? Um, he went to Mountain West, Tate Martell. Tate Martell. Tate Martell. Yeah. That's a good example of like, you don't let anything kind of, I mean, it's, uh, all right. So, a better quarterback transfers in over you. What are you going to do at that point? You probably got to look, but then you go somewhere else. You can't stick there. You can go somewhere else. It's like, you're learning new schemes every year. That's going to hinder your progress and your development. Um, Sorry, Tate, you're no Justin Fields either. So yeah, Yeah. don't miss, don't miss this time, Justin. Uh, One other thing on Jermaine Johnson, if we can nerd out draft uh, scouting, because that's something I love to do on the side. I, I scout guys like from, January you do it year round I do it from January late January early February when things slow down a little bit for me so after I guess signing day so yeah February to to April I like go crazy and try to catch up and scout like 200 guys and my wife loves that time of year obviously I'm, uh, but so for Jermaine they're like the one thing that really sticks out to me in addition to the motor the length that you mentioned his reaction time to stuff like when mm-hmm. the ball is in the air or if he knocks down the ground his ability to find the ball quickly I don't have any idea if, if this can be quantified at all, but it, it's one of the more impressive instinctual players that I've seen covering FSU in the last uh, five, six years. It's really impressive. Have you, have you noticed like, how noticed, you notice reaction speed quickly. I noticed it mainly in the, in, in the run game where he'll realize I don't need to get upfield. Like he'll, he's, it's almost like peripheral vision. He's watching what the other linemen are doing. Because hmm. typically some run, obviously we all know some runs will tackles will set his feet back and fool him, And then they'll, you know, whatever. I liken it to his football IQ, but also his ability, the reaction speed. That's a good idea or good thought on him because I I probably would say that it was his football IQ to understand situational football and understand like this is not a pass. This is going to be a run before pre-snap watching some of the motions. It's almost like he's a middle linebacker out there. And Mm -hmm. honestly, Tatum Bethune, another dude who gets – we were talking wide receivers, but I'm going to throw in Bethune here. Let's Let's go. Because there was a play that I saw that was a very similar situation at UCF. And he literally, it was situation, it was perfect situation for a halfback draw. They sell it for a, a draw up the middle, but it was the pass rush got there so fast. It was an RPO. And so what does Bethune do? He realizes he's not going to beat the defensive ends there on a blitz. He drops back, takes away the passing lane to the quarterback's check down and picks off a perfect pass. I mean, it was a literal, he took away the, the ball. It was not – I was in a good position because I was covering the man. It was instinctual football that he stepped in front of a passing lane for, for a check down receiver when he realized I'm not going to get home on a blitz because my defensive ends are there faster. So Tatum Bethune is a guy who I think was morbidly underrated. And honestly, had he left for the draft, he would have been an early, early day three guy, like round four, round five. So right now this is a guy who I think can come in and be a guy who gets – maybe not the Jermaine Johnson treatment, but he does get – amplifies his draft stock. Yeah. 
there's been some debate on on our podcast, and I even had a uh, UCF beat writer from the Orlando Sentinel come on the other day, and and I, I feel like I'm the only one who's really saying like this is your surefire starter next to Deloach next year, and then you kind of figure out things with DJ Lundy and find out rotational pieces with Gainer and and whatnot. But like, yeah, I, I look at Bethune, and I don't think he's like an all world like athlete at linebacker. I just think he does everything well, and for a team that's struggled to get good linebacker play above average in every single area is sufficient. We'll take yeah, it. Like you're not going to, you're not going to get a Devin Lloyd. You're not going to get a Nicobic Dean because those right. are physical freaks of nature, but to get somebody who can call his shots in the middle of the field is gone in this day of football. And so somebody mm-hmm. like, I think he can do that. I think that'll help other people around him too. Yeah. I, I look at him as probably like top three. They've, they've got what, 10, 11 guys in the portal so far. And he's, he's right up there to the conversation as one of the most important pieces in my opinion. Um, Kim, is there anyone else on on FSU's roster who you're looking at as possibly getting drafted this year that you're excited about or somebody you're kind of diving into scouting right now? Just Johnson, as of right now. He sort of takes the the taco when you watch. And honestly, I've, sure. I've also started to shift my focus to 2023. Okay. I got a, I got a team of dudes under me that's that's doing the, the this class, and they're going to be in Vegas for the draft. So I've actually moved to 2023. So I'm watching Winston and Pittman. And Wilson, honestly, so I, this was like a perfect transition for me. I just did a 2023 mock draft uh, just last week too. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it never sleeps. Like you said, your wife likes this time. My wife basically is like, so May, not <laughs> busy. I was like, well, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, rookie mini camp, like maybe June. I'll give you June. We'll, we'll have a month off in the summer and go to the beach for for a week and and then get back to it. Yeah, that's life when you cover football. Yeah, I'm coming. We're flying to Florida. We're flying home for a couple of weeks actually this summer. So it'll be nice. A lot of fun. Central Florida, if I'm if... Central Florida, yeah. That's right. I'm okay. Lake Brantley High School. That's right. Altamont Springs, but I'm from Daytona. So my mom actually lives back in Daytona now. So I think Andrew Ivins is also a Lake Brantley alum, a twenty four seven writer. So really really a, a pipeline to yeah, college, college football writing. Who knew? Um, uh, the kids I went to school with were not doing much. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Made, I made it. My classmate in high school was Scooter Magruder, uh, internet sensation for sports. So Cameron Magruder. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm the second no most famous it. alum from my own class, which is fun. Uh, last question for you, Cam, but I'll let you get out of here. This is good. I promised you 15 minutes and we're going on 30. That's a good sign. That means we've had fun. Yes. Uh, as you view and scout, I know you're looking in the microscope or the lens of like certain players and you're evaluating that, but like holistically you're enjoy FSU. When you watch the team play under Mike Norvell, specifically this past season's really like the first established year with his guys and um, you know, having a full off season, a normalish off season, I guess five and seven was the record. What did you see from the team in terms of the way they played? What did you like? What maybe gives you concern? And ultimately, where do you where do you foresee this program going in the next couple of years under Norvell? Uh, at least competing for the ACC, not just not just the divisional crown, the ACC itself. And so, what I the, my biggest takeaway was I was on my podcast with Tony Pauline, and he broke the news that Dion was being looked at as the next head coach, and that even if Norvell won out, they would still move to fire him. I combated it with my own co-host on my own podcast. And we still wrote a story. And then it was at that moment, it was like, we hit publish on Deion Sanders as being looked at as the head coach for FSU in the net in the future. We had published on a Tuesday and it was like that, that moment, I really started watching him a little bit closer. And it was at that moment that the win streak started as well. It was that week that the win streak started. And it looked as if 
the team, I'm not saying that they read the story and they bought in. It looked as if pressure did get on Norvell. It's like, I got to start winning some games and we got to start turning this program around. So it's like the team bought in officially right when that win streak started. They were playing for each other. They were playing for Norvell and they were playing to win games. They weren't just playing an individualized game at the beginning of the season that it seemed like they were doing. Obviously, Notre Dame, it was a little, Notre Dame wasn't what they were. So mm-hmm. I still think they should have won that game. But anyway, soft, sour spot for me. They bought in. And that's what I think the biggest takeaway from this year was that they were still the best team on the field the majority of the time this past season. They were still had the advantage at most positions against most teams they played and were at least in the game. And so to me, the buy-in, if they can continue that buy-in, honestly, this is a 10-win team maybe even this fall. Wow. So all right. We'll see. It all starts with quarterback play. So, Jordan, if you do listen to this, uh, step it up. But uh, it it does, to me, there's two things in college football that reign supreme. It's the coach consistency as well, but also your quarterback play. It's the most important position in all of sport. And so, to me, the quarterback play has to also improve. I'm on Team J-Trav. I think enhancing the pieces around him will help him a lot. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, the reason why I buy in on him, Cam, is like I've seen – like I was covering practice two years ago when he couldn't throw the ball into the wind. Like that was killing him. And he's gotten so much better. And and by the last like four games or so, like he maybe missed like three or four passes. Like he was becoming far more consistent. Now that has to be a full season's worth. He's got to stay on the field, be healthy. But like I'm I think if you give him a decent offensive line with some of the additions they've had, or the wide receivers that we talked about today are as good as advertised. Uh I think that's a competent you're definitely looking at you should have an office that gives you a winning record and then where you go from there you'll know, we'll see if things break their way but yeah team J consistent for for travis consistency with not just his accuracy too it's decision making as well right but again you have to build around him you have to build around you have to give him protection you have to give him receivers that can catch the ball and make plays because not everything is is just in quarterback independent so to me honestly he 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 reminds me a little bit when he is slinging the ball in those last four games you mentioned of Jaron Hall from BYU. BYU's okay. They're mm-hmm. similar athletic builds, similar athletic backgrounds as well. Uh, they'd be a fun quarterback duel to watch, actually, those two. But I think Jaron Hall's a first-round talent as well. So we'll yeah. see if Travis can harness his consistency and uh, what he was doing last year in the, in the season. Breaking news, Cam Miller reports that Jordan Travis is a first-round talent <laughs> quarterback. No, we're going to we're going to aggregate the hell out of it. Clip it. Do what you need to do. I'm happy to. I'm happy to weather the storm on social media as well. All right, Cam. This is fun. Long overdue. We 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 should do this like multiple times a year. This is fun. Fun checking in with you. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Hundred percent. I'd be happy to even do it. I, I'm trying to get down. You said Gordo's now, and I've been telling my wife. I, I brought my wife to Tallahassee once. It's 2012 Miami FSU game, and the food we ate. Like showing her and going to all the stops. I know everything's all different now, and it was like right when College Town was being finished and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But taking her to Gordo's, taking her to California Chicken Grill, we did the Momos. Like she was so full by the time that the 36 hours we were in town had ended that it was, uh, it was she has been jonesing to go back. So now I got to take her and the kids down now. So I'm I'm excited. You said Gordo's, and I just I want Gordo's. It's all the, well, let me know if you come down. We'll go we'll go get some Gordo smashes together and have a good time. Here we go. Now we're talking. Uh, and also California chicken grill has moved locations. So don't ha- let it break your heart when you get there and you see it's not there. It's just moved. All right. I lived, I lived at Burt Reynolds. And so I literally lived at Gordo's mm-hmm. mellow just and then at CCG walking mm-hmm. across the street, basically mellow mushroom RIP. That's now Momo's, but so, uh, you know, 
All right, Cap. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you want to let people know where to find your work and follow you on Twitter, let's shout you out real quick and we'll get out of here. Easiest is Twitter, Cam Meller, M-C-A-M-M-E-L-L-O-R. And then honestly, all of the aggregate work for me and my entire team at ProFootballNetwork.com. All right. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate it. survive this evil the final season streaming may 23rd only on paramount plus